Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are really excited to be speaking with Marsha Van Weinsberg. Marsha is the six-time best-selling author of When She Stopped Asking Why. She shares her lessons as a parent who dealt with teen substance abuse that tore her family unit apart. Marsha has been publicized seven times, most recently with her co-platform, Everybody Holds a Story, and she's on a mission to continue to help women and men to speak, share, and publish their stories. Through her tools, outspoken NLP certification, programs, coaching, and podcasts, Marsha teaches the power of radical responsibility in owning your choices in your own life. She empowers people how to heal and own their stories, be conscious leaders, and build platform businesses that create massive impact. Marsha, welcome. We are thrilled to be speaking with you today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mike. Of course, of course. And there is a lot in that bio, so many good things. When you meet someone new, what do you tell them that you do? Mm, I love this question. I actually just went to a networking event on Saturday and it's like, okay, <laughs> nail down what you do. I, I To keep it super simple, I have a lot of different things that I do, but I, I really help people to be able to bring their story to life, bring their story, whether it's in their business or in their personal life. And people, I was asked on the weekend, well, it, that only matters if you have a coaching business. And I said, no, it actually is a big factor in a product business. And so the owner of the restaurant that we're at for the networking event, I said, what's your story? Like, why do you, why do you have this restaurant? Well, they went into this beautiful backstory and I looked and I said to everybody, so do you see now why the story is important? Because I would go out of my way to come back here because she has an incredible story as to how this restaurant started. So our story, the pieces that we tend to hide from the world actually are the things that connect us to each other. I knew we were going to have a great conversation today because I too struggle with kind of summing up what I do. And more importantly, the reason this podcast started was the idea that everybody has a story. We may not know how to tell it. We may not share it with a lot of people, but when you ask perhaps the right questions, you can get to it. That's just a beautiful example of that. Um, what do you think holds people back from either sharing their stories, understanding that their story is worth sharing or being able to uh, communicate it in the first place? Mm, it was such a good question. I think it comes down to a number of points and they're literally just thoughts we're having in our head. That's all they are. They're that my story is not big enough. It's not important enough. Who actually cares? It's not as big as someone else's. I didn't have the major trauma story that someone else has. They almost always say it's this person I connect with because their story is so simple and basic and I love it. And so we downplay those things in ourselves, but we admire them in others. That's it's so true because the first thing that we do is compare is that, well, I didn't have this experience or this person did more than me, or I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even begin to follow what that person did. And it would kind of diminish what we do, but everybody has their own, their own unique experiences. What do you think is something that people can do to, to highlight the show versus tell portion of their story is better. And obviously including examples helps, uh, but you know, a lot of us would just say, I do this or I do that as opposed to kind of really filling in the gaps and painting a beautiful picture. How can we do that better? Mm. And that is, there's so many different ways to do that. 
What I love about that question is, is that when it comes to social media, for example, just because that's where most of us are, is this this piece on, can you show instead of tell? Nobody likes to be told what to do or told what they should be doing next as their next step. Where can you be that person? Like, where can you show up and be that person? So showing it is, you know, can you show up in a way in the online space as the person who is doing that? Like you embody it, you live it. Can you speak like it? Like if a person actually connected with you online or in person, would they meet the same person? It should be the exact same person. Like that's literally one of my favorite compliments when someone says, wow, you're exactly like you are online. I'm like, perfect. Because like that's showing it. And so that just means that when we show, we don't always have it figured out. It's not always perfect. We are learning as we go. We are humans in living a human experience. We, I think that strips away this perfection piece that we have to have it all done and figured out before we can show up as that version. So I think that's the one of the things I would say in the show piece is how can you be that version, that person? And that's in how you show up, how you speak, how you're being heard, how you share a message, and also allowing yourself to not have it all figured out as you go through. That's a great answer because the authenticity piece is something that is difficult for some, especially when you compare the online persona versus what it's like in person or, or vice versa. So I think that's that's a great starting point. Uh, the other thing I wanted to follow up on there is the method of communication. So you host a podcast, you are talking to people in person, you've written a book. How how do you feel most naturally uh, when communicating? Which one of those, if if there is one, that you feel is comes most naturally and which one do you have to work most at? Um, I think we all have our different areas of strength. I, for me personally, it's talking and, and that has been from practice, right? People will say, well, it's easy for you because you, you can talk really easily because you have a podcast. So I'm like, yeah, 500 episodes deep. It takes time to get, like, it doesn't happen automatically, but I do think we all have one area where we excel a little bit more. And I think that um, for some people, they're incredible writers, like incredible writers. And so they can share some of the best um, content online because they can really open up and share. For some people, they can speak. So they'll do videos and stories on a regular basis. I think it's I think it's important to find the one that you feel the most comfortable with, but it still stretches you. Because we can't just stay in one lane, right? We all learn from a lot of different um, modalities, speaking, writing. And I actually, because speaking is so comfortable for me, sometimes I forget that like literally taking it back to NLP for a second, language is only 7% of communication. So that is a strength of mine. But if I only focus on verbally speaking, I'm literally missing like, 93% of communication. So we, I think that we have to work on all of our skills. I think we have to find one area that we feel comfortable to start in, but it should still start to stretch us. That's the only way we're going to start to grow in our messaging and how we speak. That's so true that we focus on what is said, but there is so much more that goes into it. Uh, You know, most, you know, it's a very, very small percentage there. You also mentioned NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, I believe. Mm-hmm. How do you describe that to somebody who's uh, who's not familiar with what you do there? 
Yeah. And that's, and that's, it's such an interesting thing because when I first heard NLP, to be completely honest, I thought it's like, was all part of sales only. That's literally what I, I know it's crazy, but that's what I, I heard because we heard it in context of sales and programming. And I was introduced to it in 2020 when I was coming through a very difficult health um, experience. And I started to recognize like the languaging was speaking to me and it was like, okay, wait, this is NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. It's really about in my, my definition of it is really about the stories we're always telling ourselves. Like we are constantly creating stories and limiting beliefs because we're buying into the messaging that we're telling ourselves. And I am all about and have been that conscious, like I work hard, put a goal, put it in place. But your conscious brain is really only responsible for one to 5% of what you create. The other 95 to 99% comes from our subconscious mind. And that's literally the stories, the thoughts, the, the beliefs that we have on repeat. So I started to really dive in and go, wait, I can't outwork my limiting beliefs. Oh, I can't. Oh, I can't. And it just became this light bulb moment. So it really is the beautiful mix, NLP, in my perception, again, the beautiful mix of combining strategy, but also really embodying and understanding your own stories and limiting beliefs that you might have carried for your entire life and didn't even realize you were doing it. You don't even realize like there are stories from years ago. So that's a that's a great kind of table setter for for NLP because I've I've got plenty of follow ups there. First being when you mentioned limiting beliefs, that it does seem that my first thought is well you know I, I'm holding myself back I will just push through it I'll work hard enough and and, I'll, and not not and that's not a remedy to it as you say. Uh, the second is we may not even know that we have beliefs that 95 to 90% that are limiting us. How can we, or how do you help people discover what their limiting beliefs are to kind of start this process? Mm-hmm. That is such a good question. And that was, that was probably one of the biggest eye openers for me is to understand the difference between the two. And one of the things that we assume our limiting beliefs are is what related to triggers that we might be having on a regular basis. Okay. So I'm just going to give it in a context of money, just because that's an easy um, explanation is you might be seeing things online. You might be seeing people online and it's triggering something in you. And you might be looking at it and going, well, it's easy for her to do this. It's easy for them because of this. And that trigger is actually not the issue. You think it's the issue, the limiting belief actually comes like way back in the story back. Almost all of our subconscious mind was created and formed before the age of eight. So stories that you heard words that were said to you. And the other thing that's really big about this is your perception of the words that were said to you. So it's not necessarily, it's how you perceived it. You were a child. So possibly how you perceived it is, was not in the best way to serve you. So one of the things that we do in NLP that I find really powerful is called time techniques. And it sound might sound a little bit out there for people, but our subconscious mind literally remembers everything. And when we work with the subconscious mind, we can take a person through a modality called time techniques, where we actually can take them through and get to the root issue of where did that limiting belief start? And it is actually really amazing because I've gone through this process many times as a client and as a facilitator. 
And I have been in the position where it's like, wait, I remember that day where I was standing, what I was wearing, what I was looking at. I, I mean, a house I haven't lived in in 40 years. Like I remember all of these things when I go through it. And then all of a sudden you can start to look at the root of that story and recognize that, wait, maybe I didn't perceive it that way. Maybe it's not real. Maybe it's not even mine. And you start to change the root of that story. And then you support yourself with subconscious reprogramming through hypnosis, through subliminals, through tapping. And you are now anchoring in a new empowering belief that you actually want to believe. And so if you're a person who has been fighting through, like trying to consciously push harder to create results and it's not happening, sometimes there it no, a lot of the times there is a deep subconscious belief that's buried in there that is worth investigating to figure out like where is this actually coming from? And this is really important to tie it back into stories and healing. Because if you are a person who just puts their heads down, heads head down and pushes through to get results, like I was, you think you can just skip over all the healing process and skip over all of the stuff. Because if you just work harder, you'll be fine. It's not true. Eventually, there comes a point where your body is like, no, this is just, it's too much. And you actually can go back through and start to heal and release some of the pressure, the experiences and emotions that you were holding on to that actually aren't even serving you. And honestly, when you get to work with a person in this situation, you ask them consciously, they don't want to carry that anymore. They actually don't want to. I mean, it has been part of the identity for a long time, but it's not serving them. Well, I mean, that kind of takes it full circle, the way you end with uh, physical kind of symptoms there that we might have things in our mind that we experienced before the age of eight that no matter how hard we spent trying to think about, we can't recall, but has a deep impact, the things that we do, and that we may be working against them, not, not even realizing it, and then manifest physical symptoms because we are working so hard against it. Yes. So with that, do um, you get any, I don't want to say pushback, but what questions do your clients ask up front or do people... Kind of say, you know, I I believe in this to a point, but or you know, maybe if I try something else, or I just can't. I, I, there's no way to get to those memories. There's got to be something else. What do you hear that uh, uh, is is most common when it comes to? I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Yeah, I think that every single one you just said is definitely what I hear is this pushback of is this real? Like, I I think because we're also in a culture and a space of more strategy. And I'm not all saying that it's just, you know, we sit and manifest it and it happens because that that's not it either. Um, but we're in this culture of thinking that I must not have the right strategy. So I need a different strategy. No strategy is going to fix it if you don't believe it's possible. It's just literally not going to. And so that's a big part of the pushback is people are curious, they're interested, and they don't see it. So I can't see it. It's not a strategy that I can, if you do X, Y, Z, then this happens. And so there's a lot of uncertainty and curiosity, depending on which way you look at it, that it almost sounds too easy in a sense that you mean, if I just do a little bit of this work, it's not easy. None of it's easy. Um, but it's very different. And so when it comes to the subconscious reprogramming piece that I mentioned, 
you know, custom hypnosis and subliminals and EFT tapping to help to regulate our nervous system, to allow ourselves to not play back in that trauma or get stuck in that, in that trauma again. I've had people say, well, do I have to do this every day? Like, do I actually have to do this every day? And I'm like, well, do you think every day? Because if you think every day and you've had, you know, you're 50 and you've carried these thoughts since before you were eight and we repeat up to 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% of them are negative, And we repeat those on a day. Yes, you need to do it every day. Like, yes, you need to do. We all know the things that are good for us, the things that support us, like we do have to do them every day, just like exercise. I can have a great workout today, but if I never do another one, it's not going to matter. So those are some of the pushbacks that I get and tying that into changing the story. That's the other pushback that I get is that, I mean, how can I change my story when I can't change others in my story? Like I can't change their behavior. So how is this going to help them? And I'm like, our job, I think as humans is to lead ourselves to be the best human that we can be. And if others see that example and decide to do something, they can, if they don't, they can, it's, it's up to us to lead ourselves. That exercise comparison is another fantastic one because it's one of those, it's a never-ending process. There's always something that we can do, add, or continue to build on. Um, so I really like that that visual. If this is something that someone is hearing for the first time today, obviously getting in touch with you would be a good a good starting point. What else could they do tomorrow that will help them get on a path to, I don't want to say enlightenment, but to get them to a way to say, all right, I, I've got these limiting beliefs or I've got these thoughts in my subconscious that I didn't know existed, where can they start? Mm. So I think, again, love these questions. I think one of the things that we can start to change where we're at, even on our own, we can start to do that by asking different questions. So when you might hear a thought on repeat, okay. If you hear that thought on repeat and you're like, like, I, I know I consciously think that on a regular basis. One of mine was that I have to, in order to create change, I have to work hard. I do believe you have to work hard, but my definition of work hard was push hard to burn out 12, 15 hours a day, no time for sleep. That was my definition. And that was a story that I spent most of my life believing. I got to a point where it was like, I don't actually want to believe that one anymore. <laughs> I want to believe a different story. So we have to consciously call out. The first thing I would advise anyone to do is consciously call out the thought that you have on repeat, write it down and look at it and then ask yourself, is this actually what I want to believe? Because if it is what you want to believe, then you have to change that first is like that belief. Um, And then can you look at it and rewrite it in a new empowered way? So for example, mine was living life on repeat burnout. That's just what I did. I actually wore it as a badge of honor, to be totally honest, which is very sad, but I'm super honest and real. And so when I did that, I was like, that's not the truth I want to believe. I wrote it in a new empowering way. And the new empowering way was that um, I am, just one second here, let me collect my thoughts. Mm -hmm. The more I rest, the more I earn. The more I rest, the more I play, the more I earn. My desires are met with ease and grace. And I literally put it everywhere. That does not, that might sound fluffy to some people, but for me, 
it hit because it was like, I do want more ease. I do want more grace. I do want to build a business that looks like that. So take your thought that you are having on repeat, write it down. Like, and you might look at it and go, Ooh, I don't want to believe that. But guess what? It's swirling around in your head every single day, 60,000 times a day. So write it down, look at it, and then ask yourself, do I consciously like want to believe that? And if the answer is no, rewrite it in a new empowering way for what you want to create, because our thoughts are only ever replaying the past or creating our future. They are doing nothing else. That's all they're doing. So use your thoughts to your advantage and write it in a way that will hit for you emotionally. Like let it bring up some kind of emotion and you might not hundred percent believe it right when you write it, but it has to be believable and it has to hit something in you of what you are desiring to create change. And you could do that with every single thought that you're having and then start to surround yourself. And again, be that version who is living and bringing those thoughts to life. Yeah, that's that. That is an excellent starting point because, as you referenced, the thought that we have most common, or the thing that we're saying over to ourselves without maybe realizing it, and that if it's not even something we want to build on, how can we reframe it, rephrase it, or just change it altogether? So mm-hmm. that, that's excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. We talked a little bit before we hit record about outspoken. What can you tell our listeners about the program? Mm. So Outspoken is a coaching program. It's six months that is also combining an NLP coaching certification. But really the premise of Outspoken is being able to learn how to share your voice, share your story, whether that is podcasting, speaking on stage, writing a book, starting a coaching program, but allowing you to bring more of yourself into your life and business. And it's really powerful when we walk through these steps. So it's a very in-depth program where I'm working with people to help them to find their voice, get clear on their message, and to show up and allow themselves to be seen and heard. Because I actually believe from working with so many clients over the last few years that we're all craving to be seen and heard. We just don't always believe in the value that we have to bring to be seen and heard. And so that's what we do through this six months. And it's it's a cornerstone. I just finished over the last two years, it's been a deep dive of finishing my NLP practitioners, my masters, and then trainers so that I can actually teach people how to do this work. And whether they do it for just themselves or for themselves and their clients, they are able to share these tools in their own business. Very nice. And where can our listeners find out more or where can I connect with you directly on that? The easiest way is through my website or any of the links that are in the show notes, but I've made it very easy for everybody because I do have a very long last name. So everywhere in social media is Marsha Van W. Every single thing is Marsha Van W. Just straight across the board. Perfect. So we'll post all of those notes, of course. Um, wrapping up somehow, we're almost on time. I did want to ask about when she stopped asking why. How was, we'll start at the end, actually. What is the if you can recall, the most surprising piece of feedback you've got from a reader or from someone else that once you put the book out there that you weren't necessarily expecting to hear, but heard and thought was was good to know. Mm, oh, I love this. I love that you asked this question because I think it ties into everything that we've just talked about. It really is that um, the, the biggest feedback I had um, was that People could find something in my story to relate to and connect to, even though they had never walked in my shoes. 
that was the biggest, biggest eye opener because I thought my story would only be connecting to people who had had almost my exact experience. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but that's what I believed even as I wrote it. It's not what I wanted, but it's what I was believing. And during that process, and even up until now, I am able to connect with so many different people who have really walked in a journey where this is not how I thought my life was going to go. This is not the plan that I thought my life was going to, to walk. And what do I do now? And so I think that opened up my eyes as to how connected we are as humans. We think that we can only connect with people who have the exact same experience as us and the exact same, you know, beliefs and, and emotions. And, and it's just, it's not how it works. We connect on such a different level as humans. We connect on, you know, experiences, emotions, beliefs, what you've walked through, not the specifics of the story, but what you experienced from the story. And that was one of the biggest ahas. So I absolutely love that question. Well, we didn't plan it this way, but that ties so beautifully to how we started this conversation that the power of telling a good story, your story, uh, has, uh, I don't want to use the word power, but it's so powerful to others because they can pull so many things out of it that we may not think of that say, oh, even if you didn't walk in, in this path, you can understand or you can relate it or you can spin it to something that you are uh, going through or that, that you know someone who might have I had a similar experience. So I, that's a, such a great answer because I, I didn't think of that either, that it was, you know, mm -hmm. people who have a similar experience could say, okay, someone else, you know, but when, when it's something completely separate, that's really, really wonderful. And that goes to the, to the way that you can tell a great story. So thank you for tying that together so well. Um, You're welcome. I loved it. So we talked about uh, being able to avoid burnout by acknowledging it and having more time for yourself, resting more or perhaps even relaxing more. So when you are uh, enjoying some time to yourself, what are you doing or how do you do that? Mm, you have great questions. I love them. Um, for me, yeah, for me, I am, my downtime is spending time in nature. I am out walking my dog. If it's sunny, I like to be outside. I have a massive tree in my backyard that covers my whole deck. So I can sit outside in the shade all day. And it's just one of my favorite places to be. It's actually where I wrote my whole book. And so I like to be outside. If I'm inside, I am reading. I am listening to a podcast. I might be watching Harry Potter because it's something I love. And I are connecting with friends and sometimes just batch recording podcasts because that's where creative ideas come from. But I, I do work to have downtime away from work. Excellent. Okay. I will ask since you have listening to podcast as something you do frequently, what speed are you currently listening on? Ooh, um, I find that sweet spot between 1.2 and 1.5. There's a few podcasters I can listen to at 1.5 to two, not a ton. I've actually heard people say, oh no, listen to it at two. And I'm like, my brain, it's too much stimulation for me. So I'm typically around that 1.2 to 1.5 is a sweet spot for me. I think that's a good place to be. So I yourself, what do you, what do you, what speed do you listen at? I'm similar. I will start at 1.5 and then from there, either go down to 1.2 or depending 2.0 2 would be absolute max. And that's because I speak so quickly that many people are like, hey, slow down. So if I can... Same. <laughs> so Marsha, this was, this was a blast. I think we've covered a lot of material. I'm sure I did not ask a question that I should have. 
what is one question I should have asked you today that I didn't? Oh, I don't think that there's any question you should have asked. I think you asked fantastic questions. I think the biggest um, thing, I just want people to know that like your story matters. Your story is like, it's so much more important than you think. And whether you are product or service-based business or whether you're like, I don't think it's in my business at all. If your story is part of your identity and you feel shame or judgment or criticism, self-criticism about your story, it's holding you back. It's holding you back from whatever it is that you are meant to follow and do. So I actually think it's really important and healing to go through the process to learn to change the meaning of the story that you've been holding on to, because a lot of things can change in your life when you do. I could not have said it better myself. Marsha, this was this was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. I will post all of the links we discussed in the show notes, and I look forward to doing it again. Oh, thank you so much. 